Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Just thank you so much for this day, for these people, for this privilege and honor to actually communicate your word. I am praying today, God, that you would allow life change to happen, revelation to come, your gospel to be evident, God. As I always say, would you please think through this mind, speak through this mouth, that the words of my mouth and meditation in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you're my strength and redeemer and every glad and happy heart say amen. I want to greet you at Fox and say, God bless you. Greet you watching online and Facebook. God bless you. I love you. You who are here in the sanctuary, I want to say I love you very dearly. You're great. And no matter where you're at, sit in your home. And if you're in the car, don't take your, your, your eyes off the road. Just turn to somebody on your left and say, I love you. Turn to somebody on the right and say, God bless you. And look right here at me and say, come on, say amen. Let's go. I want to say that I believe one of the most precious things on the planet is time. Have you ever heard these statements? I don't have time. That just simply means that I have a level of impatience or intolerance or an inability to be attentive to whatever you want. Have you ever heard these words? My time. How I spend it and who I spend it with is important. Who and what I give my energy to is just too important to me. There's only so many hours in a day, and I need to know if they're going to a valuable place and if it was worth it. Wasting time is tantamount with wasting my life. And I just don't have life, therefore time, to give away. With every second and tick of the clock, there's an evaluation and tally sheet being levied for me regarding how I spend my time and what am I giving in exchange for it. There are so many human relationships that all of us have given just blood, sweat, and tears to. And to only discover that the lyrics to the old song can remain true, that you can love somebody that simply does not love you back. Have you ever thought uh, something was going to be uh, initially worth all your time and your effort only to find out that it actually was not and you weren't appreciated for the effort that you put in? It was a waste of your time? Beware how you spend your time because there are those in life who absolutely waste it or undervalue it or not appreciate it. My time to me could be Worth it if I could get this out of it or that out of it. Have you ever said that? I'll make the investment, but I've I got to know what I'm going to get in return. But sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get in turn. You don't understand what you're going to get. Sometimes there's no joy in this type of service to invest and not know what you're going to return. Sometimes there's no joy in this situation. But the disciples that Jesus is going to talk about in John uh, chapter 13, they're in this bit of a uh, need of a lesson about understanding what things are worth 
their time. I believe today that each of us will face revelations about Jesus and what was valuable to him and how he spent his time to maybe help us understand what should be valuable to us. This lesson to his disciples is also a lesson to us. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father. Having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that his father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I have to start this message by making one thing abundantly clear is that I do not like feet. I don't like looking at feet, touching feet. I definitely don't like smelling feet and I don't like seeing open toe shoes. I don't like seeing anything. I don't even watch the feet portion of the Jesus movies when they're walking in sandals, even though it's Jesus or a representation of Jesus. I cannot believe that this is in the Bible. Sometimes I think it's personally in the Bible for me because God's going to get a message through to me about participating perhaps in something that I would never do on purpose. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He's given them an object lesson. And I want to kind of give you a narrative of the, the why he did it. I'm going to give you some, 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 some things that I, I, I gathered from the scripture. I, let, me, let me start with this first thing. He did it out of a want to, not out of a have to. No one actually uh, uh, grabbed Jesus by the back of the neck and forced him to get down there and, and, and wash some feet. Nobody pointed a finger to him. Nobody was saying, <coughs> you know, who's going to get this? Who's going to do that? No one was uh, uh, jeering him or, 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 or pushing him. It is clear that he did this out of a want to. In other words, it was initiated by him. It was, it was coming from his own sense of benevolence, his own sense of, 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 of what was right, his own sense of what would be pleasing uh, for the father to do. He, he did it out of a want to, not a have to. He did it in the midst of his own pain and betrayal. Remember, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. He'd already hatched the plan um, with, with the high priest. He'd already figured out that, that he was going to do his friend in. Now, the, these words can be easily read, they can be easily spoken, they can be easily preached about, but if you're the person that's going through a betrayal in your marriage or in your family or at work or in church, it's a real hurt. To, you know, and remember, in the Jewish culture, betrayal was worse than adultery. There is no sin higher than the sin of betrayal. And can you know the pain? You know, betrayal leaves wounds that maybe you cannot see, but they're internal scars that actually exist and you carry them around. And I know that you might say to yourself, well, Jesus was, you know, he wasn't ordinary. He, 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 was, he was extraordinary. Surely he could take it. It didn't mean a big deal that Judas was betraying him. No, he actually loved Judas. Can you believe that? So think about the betrayal that you would feel if somebody was going to kill you or set you up cost you to lose your income, your life, your, your house, your family, you probably could feel miserable and would be miserable. But Jesus washes Judas' feet. 
Jesus is demonstrating love for his enemy. Jesus is not running away from the problem. He's going to the problem and he's going to the very source and say, I, I, I've got this. I know I want to be like Jesus, but sometimes when it comes to dealing with people who hurt me, I fail Especially when those people never acknowledge that they hurt me, never acknowledge that they did anything wrong, never acknowledge that, that I could be in some form of a pain, never, never came and apologized to me, never said that they were sorry, never said that they were in regret, never tried to pay me back for what went wrong, never acknowledged that I'd lost money or I lost, I, I, I lost time or I lost something that I couldn't get back. I have, I have a broken heart. And isn't it frustrating to know that we can still have people in our life that we need to serve when they betrayed us in that way? Now, weeks ago when I was praying about this message, I was thinking about myself and I was thinking about you guys and how sometimes I have people in my life and you probably have people in your life who have hurt you, perhaps even in church, people of authority or people of meaning, and they never actually got it right. They actually never came and said, I'm sorry. They never said, I didn't intend to do it. Can you give me permission today to actually say on their behalf that I'm more than sorry? I regret. You've been seen. I see your pain. I see your hurt. I see that you've sat on the sideline far too long because no one knew how much you needed healing. I pray that you would receive my apology, apologizing for the person who offended you release them. Just release them from it. And I'm not saying that the hurt is not real, and I'm not saying it won't cost you tears, and I'm not saying it didn't cost you pain. But Jesus taught me something in this moment that he loved. He did it out of love. He had to love Judas. There's a definition of love I think that is appropriate for this moment that might help us heal if you've experienced hurt. Love is not what you get but what you get to give to another person who doesn't deserve it. Love is an opportunity. And that's what Jesus did. He did it because there was an opportunity and he knew that time was fleeting. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus saw that there was a need in the room. And he didn't wait uh, on someone to train him. He didn't wait on someone to equip him. He saw that there was an opportunity and he needed to do something. He didn't wait for someone else to recognize. He didn't wait for a servant to come because in that community, no Jewish servant would ever wash, uh, uh, wash the feet of another Jew. That was considered an uh, inappropriate activity. This is something that a, a slave of another ethnicity would do. But he did it because he was breaking down ethnic barriers. He was showing love. He was showing that, that, that he was willing without training to just use whatever he had to demonstrate this love. So he grabs something that's on the table. They're all sitting there, reclined uh, at, at, in a Middle Eastern way. They would sit on the floor and you got your nasty feet there. You got, you know, a basin at the table and he just grabs it and just starts washing their feet. Can you imagine that? 
He took advantage of the opportunity. He saw the need, met the need. He didn't wait on training because the trainer would have told him the basin is not the thing that you use to wash the feet. It's the other thing, the bowl at the door. Jesus. I love how swiftly he moved. I love how he broke down in a moment ethnic discrimination that says this type of service and help is for those people to do, not these people. He's taking down elitism. His help seemed to be worth his time. This is not a waste of time. It's worth his time. Something menial, something seemingly insignificant, something small, something that anybody could do. Jesus finds himself doing it because it needed to be done and he didn't wait around because it was worth his time. It starts pushing the question toward us, what's worth my time? Let's continue to read uh, verse 6. Let's go on in this story. Verse 6, he says, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? It was like he said, Lord, feet? Lord, really? Lord, this is weird? Lord, you're going too far. Lord, you know, this is beneath you. Lord, you don't need to be doing this. Lord, watch your step. This is a bad representation. Lord, you're the big boss. Hold on a minute. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterward, you will understand. I love that Jesus is not just living for the moment that exists now, now in time, he's living for the future moment to set a future president that Peter could listen to, to, to look at and learn something about the character of Jesus that he can imitate and emulate. He's trying to get something across to Peter. And P, you know, Peter was always telling Jesus what to do. Lord, feet. Jesus told him he was going to the cross and he said, no, Lord, I'll never let it happen. He just said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You know, sometimes the ideas that we have of what we need don't come from God. They don't come from his spirit. They don't come from watching his example. Peter needed Jesus to help him. And he said, Jesus, you're going to get this one day. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. I, I, I'm not going to let you do this. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. If I don't wash you, if you don't let me lead you, if you don't follow me in this, if you don't give way to this, what you really need, you're not going to share in the blessing that comes from this. Peter, I'm not trying to humiliate you. Peter, I'm trying to teach you how to walk in a certain way that, that, that will bring glory to me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only. If you're going to teach me a lesson, don't just leave me at feet. Get my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who's babe does not need to wash except his feet, but is, com but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Jesus is trying to tell him, I'm not doing this just so, I don't want you to get the spiritual truth that this, this, is, this is not something that is simple and mundane. I'm, I'm, I, you need some basic things from me, Peter. You need to see me 
doing something that to you doesn't seem extraordinary. And you don't need to make it bigger. But it is big. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. See, he needed to understand, and he was going to get that understanding in time. He needed an example of what humility looks like because he was going to see God, Jesus, humiliated and stripped and beaten and whipped and, 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 and suffering. But he was also going to get an opportunity to know that in that he gets exalted. He needed to know that the little things in life matter. He needed to know that, that serving those around you every day was an essential thing and it was part of the big mission. So often we want to do the big and glamorous and great things and the simple mundane things need to be done. Someone needs to do it. Jesus is saying, hey, I'll do it. Jesus is demonstrating his love through this. One day, Peter, he said, you're going to understand that Jesus just washed the feet of your betrayer. Remember, I talked about church hurt, and the church hurt might have stopped, started in here. You might have hurt at your home from your spouse or at, 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 on your job. But what if you just served on your job? What if you just went that extra mile in your home? What if you just said, I know that those are the people who hurt me, and I don't want to have anything to do with Christian people or church. I just want to come in and go out. But what if you push past that like Jesus did and say, you know what, this is needed, so I'm going to do it. Peter had that situation come on him where he's starting to realize after Jesus died and, and they meet Jesus around the fire and Jesus asked some questions, he's starting to realize that, oh, this lesson is true. This lesson is the one that Jesus is trying to get, away, get across to me. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Then serve me. He didn't say serve me or help me by feeding my lambs. Peter, you love me. Lord, you know I love you. Help me. He doesn't say this in the little scripture. He said, by, by feeding my sheep. The third time he asked him, do you love me more than these? And now he's hurt. Then feed them. I don't know what you're called to do. Some things for some people are very small and basic, and some in our categories of, of, of very big things. But all of us, all of us have to ask, answer that question that Peter did, did, did. Do you love me? Then how will you serve? How will you help? So it wasn't just that help and service was worth Jesus' time. Peter seemed to be personally worth Jesus' time. Dare I say that you and you and you and me, we are worth Jesus' time. You're worth his time. Let's go down to verse 12. When he had washed their feet, and had put his outer garments and resumed his place. Let me see, read that again. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What an awesome object lesson Jesus is giving to them. Now he's going full board. This is not just what, what, how I spend my time. You're not just worth, worth my time. I want to help you believe that others are worth your time. Jesus is trying to say, look, I'm still the Lord. I'm still the teacher. I'm, I'm still a, a friend to you guys. I didn't lose my position. Uh, as teacher. I didn't lose my position as Lord. I didn't lose my position as friend. I didn't lose power. I didn't lose my place with you. I didn't lose camaraderie with you. In fact, I didn't lose anything. I've only given you a great example. You know, sometimes when we read in the scripture, it doesn't seem real until we actually like fully apply the word to our life. And I was thinking about my journey here at Bethel. And when I got here, I, I'd spent years as a pastor already. Uh, while my wife and I had gone all over the world ministering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I could say I had some level of, of, of training and prominence and prestige. And when I got to Bethel, the first place that they said that I, I should serve uh, when I went through my membership class, which, which if you've never gone to Connect class, that would be a great place to start if you don't know what to do. Just, I went to the Connect class and they said, we need you to serve in an orange vest in the parking lot on Sundays. And I want to tell you the truth. I was not excited. I didn't go home and say, baby, whoo, I've been selected. I've been selected as a parking lot usher. No, I didn't do that. In fact, I had a lot of pride. I thought, they don't have another job for me to do this? I got training. But that was the job that was needed. Jesus saw what was needed. And when I came here, that was the job needed. And I served in the parking lot for years, two, almost two years. Not ushered in the church. And you know what happened to me? Like, like, like Jesus knew that Peter needed all this because he was going to understand over time. Over time, I understood I'm full of pride. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with serving in the parking lot. It's a privilege to serve any place in the body of Christ. Any place, doing anything. I learned that I had a joy about it. I learned different people in the church, different things that were going on. And I now know, I didn't know I would go from the parking lot to the platform. I didn't know I would go from the parking lot to the, to the senior pastor. But you know what? I, I have done every step in this church that someone might call low or little, and I skipped none of them. And I think it helped me to be able to continue to serve. You know, you never grow out of it. Now I, I serve churches. I serve leaders. I serve you. You know, the question's gonna come, who do you serve? And, and I, I wanna say something that might be a little, might have a little sting or bite to it, but allow me to say it. There are people who volunteer at this church every single week because no one else is available to do the job. So they carry the weight of two people, 10 people, 100 people, because Many hands make light work and their work is heavy when God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. I think about 
Charis in our children's ministry and Charity in our youth ministry and Josh and, and Esther in our, in, our, in, our, in our campus ministry who serve and Tammy who's greeting people at the door and David Jordan and Lynn Jordan and one in children, one out in the parking lot and Amy serving in the, in the back and Ricky Bowser going. There's so many servants of God who make this house work, but they're singular and they need you. He wants us to serve and help, and service and help, helping to be worth our time. He wants service and helping to be worth our time. He wanted to. Remember, he didn't do it out of have to, but out of want to. You seem to be worth it to him. Can the person sitting on your left or your right seem worth it to you? Can your, can you, can your home, you need to serve in your home. You need to actually serve at work. I know this thing. You need to do ministry at work, and it happens through helping and serving other people. You need to do stuff in this house. And let me show you, verse 17 gives you a blessing, and it's a blessing. If you know these things, what? How to serve, how to help. Blessed are you if you do them. That means you can know it and not do it. You can be here and hear the message and not participate. But when you know it and you do it, blessed are you. You know, we know what Judas did. And when the woman came in who in in the chapter before and she anointed Jesus with costly perfume and she wiped his feet with her hair and Jesus blessed her and said, he did this. She did this for me to prepare my body. She is she has shown me love. She has shown me care. And Judas said, why did you waste this perfume which could have gone to the poor on Jesus? Sometimes people think serving the body of Christ serving the church is a waste. But maybe when we think it's a waste, it's parroting the words of Judas and not the words of Jesus. It's never a waste to serve in the body of Christ. It's never a waste to serve in church. In fact, the woman who anointed him, Jesus said, what this woman has done should be mentioned everywhere. The gospel is preached as a memorial to her. I want this type of service to be remembered. Years from now, how will you be remembered, James Lowe? How will you be remembered, uh, Bethel World Outreach Church? How will you be remembered, you who are watching on Fox and Facebook? How will you be remembered? Will you, years from now, 30 years from now, be known as a servant of the house? Will someone want to put your name up somewhere on a plaque because you set a legacy that was based on the character of God? I got great news for you. No matter how you answer that question, yes, Jesus gives us this lesson so that we don't miss our moment today to serve, to help, to be like him. Today, when I thought about what steps we could take as a church to act on what Jesus is revealing to us, I thought, let's get ready because everyone's going to want to act on this. And today you'll receive a card one of the pastors will come up and walk you through it. This is volunteer. He says, the scripture says that his people will volunteer freely. There's, there's all types of things for you to do on here. And guess what? It takes no training. Well, you should go to training. But even if you didn't get in training, you know, opening a door or sweeping a floor, it doesn't take training. It takes availability. Now, there's all types of service. 
some of you are, are great intercessors and prayer warriors and ministers. And it's all kind of, and this is not an exhaustive list, but you know what? Because we're going to love each other, like Jesus wanted a small group to love each other and do the small things. This is a house and body of believers together. And I'm, I'm asking that we would have 100% participation. Will you please just take a next step? Say, Lord, I'm not going to say this is the message for someone else. This is the message for me. That woman didn't know that when she served Jesus, it was something so important to him. He said, every time my gospel is preached, this should be mentioned. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Two, two prayers I want to pray. If you don't know this Jesus and how much he loves you, I pray that you would say yes to him. Yes to living for him, serving him. The Bible says, whosoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I just pray if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, I pray you just call him, say, Lord, help me. Jesus, help me. And somebody in this room today, if you say that for the first time or you're coming back to the Lord, they can help. Number two, don't ignore this word to you. That he wants to help you serve because service is worth your time. We provide an opportunity for you to love God's body. I want you to participate today. Lord, I pray that, we, that everyone will participate. Everyone will see this house is theirs. They will take ownership to do something, even if it's once a month, so that the many hands can make light work. Would you move in this house and bring conviction that we may all say yes to you? God bless you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. In Jesus' name. God bless.